ex Stoke Burnley and oh, he's also played in Korea. But is it Busan Park? I'm going to say. Um, Andy Cook is joining us. I suppose we should start off with say, asking, how did a move from kind of semi-pro level at Wales to England really come about? Um, I don't. It, it, just just going back a little bit. I mean, I was at, I was at Telford as a as a kid. Yeah. Um, they had a great setup at the time, and I was sort of there, and I didn't really. The old manager at the time was Jerry Daly, um, and even though I was sort of playing conference football at sort of just on the back end of well, about seventeen, really. Yeah. And for whatever reason, um, it, if, it, if it happened in this day and age, obviously if you were consistently playing conference football at seventeen and standing out, mm. you know you might. You, you would have had a great chance of maybe progressing further or league sides would have seen you. But for some reason, back in the day, it never seemed to happen. Yeah. And I saw that not a fallout, but disagreements with, uh, with with Jerry, who was obviously highly respected, ex-Man United derby, etc. It just never really worked out. He, he sort of liked his old experienced players. And I went to Newtown and just sort of had to take a step back, to take a step forward. I think it was just a case of believing in yourself and... And um, and just 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 playing football and doing what you you, you know you had a, an ability and just and giving it your maximum and it, you know sort of there for twelve months and it, it just happened that way really and the the managers at the time Jake King who was ex Wrexham and Shrewsbury player and Brian Coyne they they had a massive hand in in uh, in moving me forward so. It was like I said, a step back to a step forward, but it was, it, you know, it was a good experience, and that you know, I'm sort of glad I did it because yeah. it, it got me where where I needed to be, really. Uh, how did you find the the, the the step from a Welsh football to kind of Burnley? How the standard and the change of the way you play? Um, obviously, it was a it was a massive leap. Yeah. Um, I think that was Wales back then. It was the I think it was probably the Conica League of Wales, but the, the established League of Wales, it was the Premier League of Wales. Yeah. You could still qualify for Europe. Um, but it, obviously from from that level to sort of, I think Burnley were in the Championship then, but they just got relegated. Mm. So we, my first season was um, uh, probably, well, the equivalent of League One now, but the old League Two. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a massive jump. I think that the training has from being a part-timer and, and work, having a full-time job to to work yeah, to actually being a full-time player there's a massive contrast obviously the quality of player and the players who I was with there was a lot of experienced players there all lads that uh, that were very very good players who or had been very good players so it, it was a big eye-opener and, and, and to, to step up to the, the plate of full-time football is a big jump not only in, in the training but of the, the quality that's, that's needed and obviously, we're talking a long time ago, but it was, it, you know, it was still the same then. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a big jump, really. How, how much? I know it's an old question, but how much more do you train when you go from kind of part time to full time? Is it? Are you are you doing kind of double the time a week? Are you doing? Or is it? Is obviously, it... you're doing on a general week, taking games out of the equation, yeah. or you can go Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday off, Thursday, Friday, game Saturday. That would be without games, but you'd always. If you had a midweek game, you'd still train. Your Sunday would generally be a day off, but you'd be training Monday, game Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, or you'd do a morning session, then a game Tuesday night, then you'd be warm down Wednesday or most of Wednesday off. 
train Thursday, Friday and Saturday, so it, it's a big one. But it's not about, you know, part-time is, is still tough, but I think it's just intensity. Mm. You are literally, the, the training changes massively from, you know, a couple of hours on a Tuesday night and a Thursday. So, you know, it is... It is different. There's a lot of more, you know, I'd say, intensity in training. There's a, there's a lot more to work at, and there's not saying there's so much pressure. Uh, there probably is more pressure on that, you know, as, as being a professional. You know, it is a full-time job, and that is solely what you concentrate on. How did you find your time there at Burnley? You were there for about five years. To be honest, yeah, it was just about. I mean, it was about five and a half years, really. Yeah. I mean, absolutely brilliant. Uh, a fantastic football club great fans um, and I loved every minute of it to be honest it was very difficult to, at the start because it's contra- you know um, from from doing what you're doing to moving there so it's a huge change And but what a time we had a, you know great teams I've put a, and met so many people and played under a lot of managers but just just a fantastic place to be really really good so, so for me to be there that, that long um, was you know it was just a, a, a great experience really and it's had a fantastic football club. You got you got about half a season after the promotion before moving to back to Stoke. Oh, to Stoke. Did, was it was it because uh, was it kind of a wanted to go there because of the, the fact you supported the club or would you were you a bit gutted to be leaving once you'd got up the league? Um, going back, I mean, I'm, I'm just speaking honestly. I mean, yeah. I got offered another contract at Burnley, and it, it was there, and then it it, it, it wasn't there. Mm. So they sort of offered us something, and then it, it wasn't. So I don't. It, it it's a bit complicated at the time, yeah. but um, as soon as they said, "Would you be interested in talking to Stoke?" It was like one of them things that uh, progressed quickly when there was a contract, and then there wasn't. So. Maybe the interest from Stoke at the time pushed me forward for that. Um, but I think just the fact that it was Stoke, you know, I was just very, very keen. It was something I always wanted to do. And the opportunity came about. And I, I don't know, it's just one of them things. You just think, well, it, this opportunity might not come again. So, you know, I, you know, I would like to speak to them. So, mm-hmm. But um, as I said, if the contract probably wasn't, it was there and then, you know, it possibly wasn't there, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It, it, it sort of, it, it re, you know, wanted, you know, the, the situation for me to speak to Stoke was a little bit more defiant, if you know what I mean. You know, I really wanted to sort of push it through and speak to them and see what they wanted to say and see what they wanted. So that sort of, sort of sped it along a little bit. Now, what's it like when you get to, you know, play for a club you supported? Is it, is it pressurised or is it just exciting? Um, it is very exciting. I, I did feel it a, a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say I had a great time there. Um, it, w- it was difficult, but it, um, I think because all my f- best friends were supported the club and um, a lot of people I knew supported the club, it was like a, a personal challenge where I just wanted to go and play there and yeah. and, and, and try and achieve something really that I've, you know, I've actually gone and done that I really wanted to do so well but I think the more you think about it the more you work hard at it sometimes it just doesn't work as much as I enjoyed it and it is again it's an absolute unbelievable football club um, and what they've done from you know I, I'm, I'd like to think in the team that I played in that we, we helped get that club to where they are today you know yeah. I can, I, we can say that from what we achieved and what I achieved and 
the lads that I worked with at the time thought it was um, we'd had a little hand in in where they are today. So, so you know, there was still a massive amount of cheer, but whether I'm being a bit hard on myself, but I just didn't do as well as I really wanted to do there. That was um, mm. which was a bit that you know it's the only sort of the the downside of, of being there really because I wanted to do so well. What was it like being there as well with the Icelandic owners? I mean, what was it like? Sorry. Yeah, was was there a difference around the club? Do you think? Because it wasn't long after you. Well, um, I, I'm before... going to say it, it. It was very strange because the there seemed to be a little click. There was a big click there because the the, the manager obviously Icelandic, mm. the physio. Uh, there was a lot. The, the manager's son was there. Um, there was a, there was a lot of. Icelandic players there, uh, Ricky Davison, uh I'm just trying to think of a few more. I mean, there was quite a few. There was a lot of, uh, a couple of Scandinavians there. So there, there was obviously um, that side of it, uh, and, it and it was difficult. But, I mean, I don't know. There was a good mixture there, I think, a real good mixture. And I think he, I think Good John got it pretty much right in the end, not in order to, to gain promotion. That's what it was all about, I mean. Sometimes the workplace isn't always great, but you just you've got to get your head down and work really hard at it. And I think we did to achieve promotion um, when we did. So you know, credit to him because it, it was difficult. There was a lot of pressure there, but you know, he obviously got it right in the end to, to gain promotion. What's it like, you know, a big game like that gaining promotion, especially for a club? You know, you have such uh, such a bond with. I mean, you went, you kind of you went up to the set from the second to the first again. Was it was it bigger having gone up with Stoke because of the kind of? I, I think because of Stoke. I mean, the, the, obviously the, the the new ground and say new, relatively new. I think the, yeah. the, the size of the club and where it's been. You know, there's so many clubs and giants today, and they'll understand. Stoke was a massive, massive club playing yeah. at lower level football, and well, say lower level, just you know, trying to get back into the championship. And I think. There was a huge amount of pressure there, um, and and to achieve that, it, you know, it, it's, it's hard work, really hard work. So I'm sure you spoke to, to many a manager or, or player who who's involved in trying to get back into what, to where certain clubs need to be. So yeah. there, there's a massive amount of pressure. So as I said, I think at times, as much as things don't seem right or the players don't seem right, I think to get a big club back to where they where they need to be, I think is a, is a very big task. So. You know, as I said, they must have done something right. Do you think that was the grounding? That kind of that period was the grounding for the club Stoke car. Well, the, the Premier League Stoke club. So, yeah. For before then, they they had been kind of sleeping a sleeping giants, as you say. And since then, really, they've kind of pushed on. So you, that was that would be quite a defining period in many ways. I think so. Yeah. I mean, as I said, there's the emphasis on clubs like Stoke and there's many we can go through them like Sheffield Wednesdays and you know Cardiff have achieved massive things and there's so many big old clubs there with with a massive amount of tradition and and history that you know you think how can they be playing there or whatever so you know it's so important to, or as I said defining moments in in the in time or when I've been there you know it, it, it's a big thing to get these clubs back to where they need to be and, and since what Stoke have got there and to, and what Tony sort of achieved whether some people think it's right or wrong how he's done it you know they've done an absolute fantastic job amazing job 
to get back where they've been and, and to establish themselves as a Premier League outfit, I think you know it, it's it's just great not for the area but for for all the fans and everyone involved within the football club. Um, well, after Stoke, you moved to Korea and you played under um, Sunderland hero Ian Porterfield. So, how, how did the move to Korea come about, and what was it like playing under Ian Porterfield? Um, it came out of the blue. I was, I mean, I still had another year, just under a year to run at Stoke, and I got wind of it, uh, bizarrely enough, from my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law plays football, and it's his agent who sort of mentioned it to me. Um, and I, I spoke to him. Uh, this was one of the pre-seasons. I can't even think what what year now, but. So I got through wind of it from me, as I said, from my brother-in-law's agent, and he it sort of progressed from there. I mean, Tony Pulis um, hadn't long been in the club with secured safety in the championship, so I knew what Tony was thinking. Um, he was thinking about uh, certain players, and I knew how Tony plays and what sort of centre forwards he needs. So I thought maybe it's time to move on. This. I just thought it was a, a challenge. It, it interested me. It was not like straight. Up, well, not long after the World Cup, so um, it, it was sort of from there. In progressed from there. I mean, I had a game of golf with Tony on one of the days just to discuss and finalise what you know what the what my plans were and would I be interested and stuff. So, and I just thought, well, let's go out and give it a go. So we, we just went out. We didn't actually even fly out. Um, I think a few players that had been out and signed or whatever or been to have a look at, at, at the club in, over in Korea would fly out first to have a look around, but we just decided to just pack up and go. <laughs> we just decided, just like, no, you moved over to Jamie Curriton. Uh, 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 that's right. Well, yeah, we moved over and then Jamie, yeah, Jamie was sort of signed as well at the same time, so. Uh, yeah, it was you know it was good. It was good that there was another English player I was aware of and didn't know him properly. Well, I obviously was aware of him, but but you know we became good friends, so it was really good actually that it was over at the time. And then did you, were you there when Chris Morrison moved over? Yeah, I was there with Chris. Yeah, as well. Yeah. And um, would you recommend for like English players from the lower leagues to try playing in other leagues around the world to get some? Um, I don't, yeah, I, I, th- I don't think it's that easy. I, I, you know, if you, if you get opportunity, I mean, like I said, I took the opportunity after the World Cup. It was a big thing. Out in Korea football was massive, and obviously out in Japan and whatever, and the stadiums, <laughs> absolutely incredible. Really, you know, so lucky to play in literally world class stadiums every week. But I just don't think it's these, these opportunities come around very often. It, it's so difficult. You know, a lot of lads. Or good lads will get contracts in this club. It's so difficult to get or get links into other clubs, you know, around Europe unless you're known or there's, there's uh, British managers in other countries or you're aware. So, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. I think it was just a, I said personally, on a personal note, if you get opportunity, then you've got to weigh it up, age, where you are, what you, what you want at football where you know where you want to be because it's a big gamble and it's it's a huge um it's a huge commitment you know moving to the other side of the world that i did is a massive commitment so yeah you know 
but it all depends. I think young lads, if it loans, if they get opportunities loan wise, brilliant. You know, if that opportunity comes along, I'd recommend it. But uh, you know, it's not an easy thing to, to do by by no means. Yeah, and what was the biggest difference in the football style between like lower league Britain and Korean? Well, well, I mean. Don't forget when I was when I went out there, the, the Korean national side. I mean, I think they were semi-finalists in the World Cup that yeah, year. Yeah. So, um, you know, technically, I would say they were they were brilliant. If I can't, I'll just tell you a little story. We my first ever game, I went out and I had to play in a reserve game. Uh, it was this pitch on the outside the stadium, and I played in the reserve game and uh, didn't know anyone, didn't have a clue what I was doing. Just literally went out and. I did not touch the ball for 25 minutes, and, and it was about, I don't know, it was about 85 degrees at 7 o'clock at night, and I was in this game, and I thought, what have I done here? I can't get anywhere near him. I couldn't touch the ball. It was hot, <laughs> homesick already, and I thought, what am I doing? But I don't know, it just seemed to, you know, after a few weeks, you just climatise and, 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 and get used to it, but... Um, you know, it is just it. Technically, they're very, very good players. You know, they they just seem to be more comfortable, a lot comfortable on the ball. And uh, but I think the only defining thing is I think uh, while they're so comfortable, while the game's going on, or personally as an, an individual, I found is I could always find a little bit of space, or they'd switch off for a, for that split second in eighty ability yeah. to get half a yard to, to score really. Yeah. So. That was only the, the major difference that I could that I could see. Great. So, what was it when you move over there? Kind of, does the culture shock hold you back when you start playing, or is it just that the football is the kind of it's cheesy as hell to say football is a universal language? Did that was it on the football field where everything kind of clicks to make it easier? I think so. I think um, the culture. Fantastic culture. I mean, when we moved over, as I said, we, we just literally jumped straight into it. My wife was pregnant, so she was carrying at the time. Um, homesick was, you know, you are, it, there's not, we didn't really get to know that many expats. It was, you know, Ian spoke English and the assistant manager at the time spoke English. Um, and that was about it. Some of the, Kore- the, the Koreans are such lovely people and the culture and the food is fantastic, so that helps. But there's some there's some lonely, lonely times there. Some you know, it was very difficult to climatise to to where you were. And I think the sessions, Ian. I mean, God rest him now. But even now, if he was if he was still here, I'd say the training. He would train in the heat for two and a half hours in the morning, three hours, and we'd have lunch. Cause it was, the facilities were fantastic. You'd go and have some lunch and then go and have a sleep and whatever. And then in the afternoon, you'd get back and we'd do like another two and a half hours, three hours in the afternoon. And it used to absolutely kill me. <laughs> and now that's drive another hour. But, well, it was only about sort of five or six miles to the, to the house across the city, but it'd take me about an hour and a half just purely because the traffic was crazy. So it was really, really tough. And then obviously I'm out all day and my wife was at home just literally... Thank you. Just, Pulling her hair out, right? What do I do? She couldn't even, you know, she couldn't get out because it was that hot in the day. So it was just, it was really, really tough. Um, Figure that. Um, when these footballers obviously have to adapt to different conditions for tournaments and stuff, with the World Cup in Qatar, which is probably going to be, I don't know if it would be hotter than South Korea. Yeah. How hard is it for football players to kind of adapt to these kind of things? I think, 
good one. I mean, whether the, whether they can switch it to the winter or, or not, mm. or they're talking about. I mean, I'm sure they can. Whether they're talking about aircon stadiums, and stuff, yeah. I don't know. But I mean, to play in midday heat. I mean, I presume all games will be at night because day matches would. Ju- I, I don't know. I mean, they were hot in Korea, but at Qatar. I mean, I just come back from Dubai a few weeks yeah. ago. I mean, to play in that heat is, is you know, it, I, I just don't really see how it can be done in in days. I mean, nights is bad enough. So yeah. it, it, it'd be interesting to see what they actually finalise for for that World Cup, really. Yes, I can't see it being that much cooler in the winter. The same. Probably not. I mean, it does get a little bit. I don't think the. And they say the humidity gets a little bit worse, but it's cooler. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. But you know, it, it, it's um, it, it, it's very, very difficult, very difficult to play in it. But I, th- I think you do. You know, obviously, with living there and working there, you climatise. But over a you know two week tournament, I think you, I just don't. You know, I think it'd be extremely difficult. I don't really know how, how it would work to be honest. Unless something was was introduced. Did it benefit? Does it? Does playing in that kind of heat benefit your fitness for when you came back to England at all? Does it, or is it just because is it different conditions you kind of have to adapt when you get back anyway? Um, I think I, don't, I, I, w- I would say when I was there, I was probably the fittest I've ever been in my life easily. Just not only because of how you, the amount of training I did, or the um, just the condition I was in when I was there was, you know, I was probably. You know, I wish I could have got myself in the in the condition I was there back in this country. Yeah. You know, I wish there was probably facilities to to to, do, um, to train to that that got me in that condition there because I literally was probably in the in the best condition of my life, which which showing the way I played probably out there really, which I've never probably been in that as fit as I've been in this in this uh, sorry this country. I've never you know I've never probably peaked as much as I do out there, so. There's something to say for it, whether it's just you know the mm. the science of it or the the way we were training or whatever. But I, you know, I would say I was very fit out there. Did did the uh, did their enthusiasm remain kind of the whole year after? You know, obviously they'd had the World Cup. Did it die down at all, or have they kind of did it, did it stay with them, the fans of South Korea? Um, I think it was still there. I mean, it was very weird because the stadiums are so big. Yeah. I mean, I remember playing in Seoul. We played FC Seoul. Um, and I think there was about forty-eight thousand in the stadium, but there was, it, it still, there was, you know, the stadium could yeah. probably fit about eighty-five, ninety thousand. Yeah. So it, you know, it was still half empty, bizarre. <laughs> so um, it, it never looked that, you know, that many there. I mean, I think we never used to have that many at our game. We probably had about five or six thousand at probably home games sometimes, and, and it just looked absolutely empty our <laughs> ground because our ground was so massive. I mean, it was huge. And I think we played one game, biggest game we played at our home game was probably about twenty thousand, something like that. And again, it just looked looked like there was no one there because yeah. the stadiums were so vast. Um, Japan, talking about, I mean, them stadiums are packed every week, and I've played a lot of Japanese sides, but I I didn't really understand it at the time because every time we played the Japanese sides, we, we literally tore, you know, we. They weren't that as good as I thought they were. Yeah. And, you know, all these people going to watch them, I think, well, what's all the fuss about? Because these <laughs> Japanese sides, they're not that good. No. So, I don't, you know, I don't, there's a big contrast where Japanese, you know, the Japs, Japanese would fill, you know, 80,000 stadiums and the, the Koreans, there'd be a lot there, but it probably wasn't as, as 
it didn't take off as much as, as Japan did, if you know what I mean. No, I'd say to anyone, to our listeners, to go have a look at. Is it the? I was going to say this wrong. The Busan Asaid Stadium. Yeah, oh, it's, it's an incredible. If you ever get to look at it, just look at it I've, on the internet. Yeah, I've just looked it's at like a, a picture bowl with a little hole in it, it. Really, it's nicer than most of the stadiums in this country. And all the seats are well, the seats look like a jigsaw, <laughs> a crayon's right, jigsaw. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every stadium I played, at, I mean, some fantastic stadiums. As um, we had a local derby, all fan. I mean, they they had a. I, I can't fault any of them and, and literally every time we drove to a ground and a, a bus or whatever the bus would go down under the ground yeah. so the car parks would always be under the stadium mm. so um, you know literally in a different world to, to you know we build stadiums over here and you know they're fantastic but there just I don't know everything was just incredible and, and in the stadium when you get into the changing rooms you open a door and there'd be like a I don't know a huge warm-up area like you just go you didn't have to go out on the pitch sometimes you could just go in the warm-up areas on AstroTurf and just warm up inside the stadium underneath you know underneath it so that's how far advanced they were that's we're incredible quite a few years ago now yeah how, how do you when you went out there was it a worry that maybe you'd not be forgotten by English football but it wouldn't be as easy to say get a move back was it was it how did the Bradford move come about are they um, it's yeah, it's a good question. When I, when I was out there, I, didn't, I probably didn't even think about it. And this is a this is a crazy thing. In hindsight, I should have stayed there probably because it was I was on such a good thing and I was playing so well. Mm. Uh, if it wasn't for the the birth of our first child and the heat and and the loneliness at times yeah. for my wife and and for ourselves, I think we big big issues are coming to play there. Family, obviously, mm. but hindsight. We should have done a good fight, you know. I probably should have stayed there and just finished, you know, done five or six years, and and, and it, it would have been great. But we came back, I think, because you look constantly on the computer. I think that's down to loneliness at times or being out there. You want to keep in touch, and I think we just wanted to get back and maybe have another crack at English football. Mm. Um, when I first came back, uh, I went. Steve Cottrell, who I know very well, he, he was at Burnley. Yeah. So I went back to Burnley um, and he put me up in a hotel and I was training there for like a couple of weeks. Offered me a deal, but it was only for, he offered, they were in the championship, it was only a six month deal. He said, like, give it me from now to the end of the season. Um, and the, the difficulty was that we, we don't we sort of bought a development where we live now, but we we bought we obviously invested quite a bit of money in into like a future business. Yeah. And I just wanted a little bit of security. Mm. So the Bradford thing came up, um, and Colin at the time offered us eighteen months. Um, so I decided to take that. In fact, sorry, if I would just go back before the, when I when I was out there, yeah. Chris Marsden. It was weird. He came back. He, Chris went and signed for Sheffield Wednesday because he didn't. He couldn't really take any more of it out in Korea. Yeah. So I'm just backtracking a little bit. But um, he was at Sheffield Wednesday, and when I first landed back in the country, this was November. So I spoke to Steve. Steve said come and train, but I think the manager at the time was Paul Sturrock at Sheffield Wednesday, and Paul said we want. You know, Chris has said a lot of great things about you. I know you come and come and speak to me, we'll see if we can do something. Because I'd flown back, I think it was at the end of November, coming into 
Shannon remember yeah. uh, nothing I, I wanted to go to people before but there was a, a hiccup we'd suddenly find out from the FA because I crossed borders I literally couldn't sign that I was I could not I was out of contract um, but I'd crossed borders so I couldn't sign a contract until January the 1st hmm. so then literally I was out of work then for a whole month well over a month I couldn't do anything about it my hands were tied yeah. which is a uh, you know, any player, I think there's a few players, but it's not highlighted enough, I don't think, because I could have probably signed for Sheffield Wednesday, but it, it didn't come off purely because of, of of those regulations. So, obviously, I went to train with Burnley, but I'll go on to Bradford. Colin offered this a deal, and I signed on, well, the deal went through, didn't go on through on the January 1st, I think it went through on the 3rd eventually, so that was one of the reasons behind that. And then you've kind of you you've got this kind of a season or so at Bradford and a couple of yeah. years at Shrewsbury. That's right, yeah. I was I always, I mean, Bradford didn't work out. You know, it was I think weather just coming back, and I, I was literally travelling from where I do to Bradford, and mm-hmm. then we we moved up near there, and it, it was really hard work we had by then. We had a, another child who was really difficult. My, my wife was really poorly at the time, and it, I, it was just seemed to be a nightmare. Yeah. So, and then. The opportunity to for shoot, I mean, Shrewsbury was somewhere I always, you know, I always wanted to sort of play at. I mean, again, as well as Stoke, always watch Shrewsbury. You're born in Shrewsbury, right? Yeah, yeah, so I pushed, um, I tried to push it there, really, just to push myself in there. I mean, Gary Peters was the manager at the time, and I literally had to ask him, and look, Gary, I want, you know, I want to come and play. You know what do you want? Well, he, he made me play about four pre-season games, five pre-season games, mm. I think, <laughs> to prove myself. Which you know I more than did. But he eventually gave us a contract there, which he had to. I think he had no choice because I think I was doing so well in yeah. the pre-season games. He had to. So you know I, I'm so glad that I managed to do that in the end. That's it. How is it? I always wonder this. How is it when you kind of end your career? How is? It, how do you adapt to that? Does it kind of do? You, how long does it take you to make the decision as well? Um, I think it just it's purely circumstantial. I think a lot of it's circumstantial. I mean, they say contracts and for me, yeah, money's been money's been a hell, but you know, we're not. You know, I'm being honest. We're not talking great. Never talking fantastic money. Hmm. Uh, career was obviously lucrative, but you know, we had certain tax issues and stuff when we came back, which. Hmm which we did, but, you know, that was just part and parcel of, you know, moving away and, yeah. and missed high, you know, and, and not, as I said, hindsight, going away and, and coming back at the wrong time, but we knew that anyway, but yeah. it was nothing about money, I think it was just purely about playing football mm. and the love of what you're doing and, and just getting the most out of what you can do all, all the time, so circumstance decisions, you know, Hindsight's a great thing, but decisions of where you want to be at that time and whatever you just make, you know, something must click or make you think it's right for that period of time or that specific time when you when you're gonna when the decision has to be made, and then you just literally go and do it, and you have to fit in the best you can, whether it works for you or not. Yeah, I was going to, last thing I wanted to ask you about was kind of director of football at Market Drayton. That's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's the what was that like? Was as a footballer suddenly kind of going into the the backstage, uh, well, not backstage, behind the scenes um, kind of well, stuff. You know, 
I've all, you know, I'm Marky Drayton, sort of born and bred, really. So I, I've got a lot of love for the town, and I wanted to sort of help the club. They were in a very difficult position, and personally, I really, I, I think, from coming a player and then stepping away from football and doing bits and bobs, but to coach and to, to to sort of start again, I think you need to work from the bottom, yeah. not the bottom, but you need certain levels of understanding. Now, Market Drayton, yeah, we're not talking the highest non-league side in the in the world, but for the size of the town, they are, they play very good established football. Uh, they're probably overachieving at the moment uh, for where they are. Mm. Um, League-wise, pyramid-wise, yeah. um, and it, it it was something I really wanted to take on and um, to to go and do it, and to to now have done it. I'm really glad I've done it because of non-league mentality uh, and non-league players is, is is completely different from football. So you know, to learn that and yeah. to, to take that forward has been been brilliant, really. Do you still get to play any kind of football more now? You've now you're retired. Do you get socially or? No, not really. I mean, I, I did a bit. For, I played probably more times for Drayton than I really wanted to. Mm. I didn't really want to play. Yeah. Uh, just you know, I don't mind coming on for twenty minutes or whatever. But you know, I'd always train with the lads, and whatever we did in pre-season, I would always do. So I always think that, that the, to get on their wavelength, I'm not mm. just you know whatever you do in pre-season. Not, you know, I'm not just going to run lads and. Or whatever, but whatever physical work was done, or whatever physical sessions were put on, I would always try and do them myself. So, um, and if I can do them, then I'm sure the lads can. So there's no excuses really. But um, I don't know. You know, I just it's it, 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 it was a great learning curve. Mm. And I'll say, end with. Now you you know you've, your career is. How would you sum it up your football career? Um, I think I'm from the clubs I've played at and the experience I've had. All right, it's not the, the greatest, or I'm not as privileged as you know top Premier players and who you know you know who have unbelievable careers. But I think for, for the ability I had, and which wasn't you know I'm not it wasn't great ability, but one thing I did have and what I made a great living at was just working hard mm-hmm. and being a um, um, a, a, you know, a, a, a hard-working centre forward, which which literally, I mean, you know, I, I was very lucky to play for a lot of big clubs and yeah. and uh, and to stand out that way, you know, to make a living over you know 13 years in any in any profession, I think you yeah. know you've got to be lucky, but it's something you you're really good at, or to mould your ability. Uh, or, you know, for, for what you've got and make the most of it, you know, I think I'm, uh, I'm you know, I'm, I'm very lucky, so I can, I can look back and think, well, yeah, I've had, you know, I've had a, a great track of it, I've had some great experiences, I've played with some fantastic players, you know, world-class players against world-class players and, and, and had, a, you know, a fantastic time at it. Wonderful. Well, I think we could taken up far too much of your time, really. Uh, yeah, we, we, right, no we, problem. We could wrap it up, if that's okay with the other two. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, yeah fa- no problem. Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed the uh, chance to chat with you. Okay, no, I appreciate it. Thank you very much.